Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Find Your Model Health, the official podcast for those looking to optimize their long-term health and weight goals and understand how their body really works. I am your host, I'm Shemaine Linney. I'm a fitness and nutrition expert, certified iridologist, nutritional therapist, and biohacker. I'm very happy to have you guys back with me for another part of your day. And I have a very exciting guest on today, which I hope you will help me welcome. But before I introduce him, I must remind you that the information in these episodes is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical advice. Please consult your health practitioner before making any lifestyle changes. So today, please help me welcome Don Moxley. So Don is the Director of Applied Science at Longevity Labs and co-creator of HRV Plus from Mode and Method. Don loves to help people live vibrant, fulfilling lives at all stages of their life. And he likes to draw upon his career as an athlete, a sports scientist, and as a new as an instructor to help lead and educate his followers and his people. Don also has applied science to enhancing not only his own well-being, but his friends and followers too. He was a former captain and Big Ten champion at the Ohio State University. Don also served as the university's first sports scientist. And then he was able to give athletes the ability to track their progress in strength and cardiovascular and resistance training and helping the wrestling team win a national Thailand three Big Ten championships, all through what his background in science has led him to and his education around HRV, which hopefully he's going to educate us on today. So Don, welcome. Thank you for joining me on the show. I hope you're super duper well today. I am super excited to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. And thank you. So, Don, you have quite um, the list of experience in this field of HRV and performance. Um, before we get into all that, tell us a bit about your journey. Obviously, we can see how you got into it with your background in wrestling in mm -hmm. Ohio State. But tell us a bit about your story. Well, that, that's really where it started. I, you know, I grew up on a farm in Eastern Ohio um, and had, when I went to university, I had every intention of going home and feeding beef cattle, <laughs> but um, I was a good enough wrestler to have walked on the wrestling team at the time, but I struggled dramatically my first two years. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I was one of those wrestlers who cut a lot of weight. I mean, I cut from about 230 down to 177 my freshman year. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, cut from about, about the same way down to 190 my second year and had a lot of injury problems and had to come up with a mechanism for solving the injuries. Um, and this is when I started to, I had the opportunity to have some phenomenal mentors at the time, um, through connections there with the university and just fell in love with human physiology. Uh, so I wound up changing my direction while I have a an undergraduate degree in animal science. I have a my did my graduate work in in ex, in human exercise phys, mm. and and have worked in the business ever since. Um, anywhere from managing health clubs back in the late '80s uh, to working in sports medicine practices to working with teams and elite performers uh, 
throughout the years. Um, and I've always kept a foot though in the industry. Um, I love technology. I love what technology can do for you that, you know, you have to be careful about trusting your own eye mm. uh, because there are biases that go with that. Um, technology gives you, when used correctly, can give you a very clean look at athlete readiness, individual readiness, um, individual health. I mean, you know, you can go into your doctor's office and, and they can say, wow, you look great. But if you run a panel of a blood panel, or if you do an EKG, that technology gives us the ability to look inside and say, okay, is there something that we need to pay attention to? And I think that's the same way with wearable technology with me, that when I'm working with, whether again, athletes or, or regular humans, um, the ability to apply uh, wearable tech and understand the results is is very beneficial. And, and it gives you insights that uh, frankly, you can't see with your eyes. Yeah, yeah. So when you're talking about the data points and the tracking, you're not only talking about these blood panels, you're also talking about the wearables, the Apple Watch, the Fitbit, I have a Whoop, so I use that, the Aura Ring, there's lots of them out there. Mm -hmm. um, there's, there's lots of them, not all of them are great. Mm -hmm. uh, so you have to be careful that a lot of times wearable tech it's like getting on a scale and it says you weigh between 20 and a thousand pounds while, while it gives you a number mm -hmm. that number may not be very uh listen if you're if you're trying to lose from 2000 down well then that can be great but you know that person doesn't live um but um when you use the technology correctly and you have good tech it can provide amazing insights um so yeah that's and 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 I, from day to day, I'm usually wearing four or five different pieces of wearable, checking it out. You know, I've been I've been looking at I've been measuring heart rate and heart rate variability for over 30 years now. Mm -hmm. um, so I've got a pretty good handle on where things should be. Um, so if if the tech isn't supporting the observation, then I bring in another level of tech to that I know is good. And and this is this is our challenge right now that we have all these companies dumping tech onto the market. And again, they say it measures and it gives you a number, but the challenge, we still, we still have to be careful and, and be a little pragmatic in selecting our, our, our devices. Mm -hmm. We live in an age where I think it's more so quantity over quality when it comes to certain things. And you might think you're getting a great deal on a tracker, but the numbers may be completely off. And I say that with, even using a weighing scales, none of these pieces of technology are completely accurate. There's always an error margin. But when I'm speaking to my clients, I'm like, well, if that's the one consistent tool you're using all of the time in the same way, and we do see the trend in the curvature, then although the numbers may not be accurate, but they're accurate to you in that context. Would you agree with that? Yeah, to a degree. Um, again, you're exactly right that if we if we have a device that's providing feedback and we can trend that data, then that that winds up being great. Mm -hmm. um, there's there are devices and there is technology that frankly doesn't. Need, I mean, it it just is. Again, it's between ten and two thousand. Um, mm -hmm. And and you that that data you just can't. This is why it's nice to work with someone starting out, making sure that device is good, making sure their software is good. Again, I've I've had a 
I've had a thousand of these things. Um, I have a handful that I'll recommend. Mm. Okay. Um, so maybe, maybe we'll get your opinion on a few towards the end. Now for the <laughs> layman's, yeah. what is HRV? Well, tell us, what is that? So HRV stands for heart rate variability. Um, heart rate variability. So you have a heart rate. If, you're beat, if, you're, if your heart beats 60 beats a minute, you expect to beat every second. Mm -hmm. beep, beep. Now, and, and that doesn't change, but when we're under stress, there's less variability than when we're in recovery. So when I'm doing, um, when I'm doing a, uh, uh, an activity, or if, listen, we're sitting here recording a podcast. If a lion walked through the door of the room that I'm in, my brain would say, Hey, be careful. That thing, that's, that's a life-threatening process. And you probably need to think about getting out of that space, getting away from the lion. So the brain dumps a bunch of chemicals, adrenaline, cortisol, things like that, to free up resources so that you can escape the lion. And when that happens, your heart rate variability goes to very, very low, uh, zero to eight milliseconds. Um, now, when we're in recovery, when we've escaped the lion, when we are laying up, we've got food in our bellies, we're trying to recover, that variability gets very high. We go from, when the lion comes through the door, we go into what's called sympathetic or fight or flight mode. And when the and when we escape the lion and we climb into the tree to relax and recover, we go into what's called parasympathetic mode, which is rest and digest. So HRV goes up in parasympathetic control, it goes down in sympathetic. And these are important cycles. Um, you, you don't ever want to be just purely, purely parasympathetic. And, and, but uh, unfortunately, with our society, we have so many, what I call paper lions, and I have to get, I'll mm -hmm. attribute that quote to a good friend of mine, Dr. Ron Garbo. You know, we have these paper lions in our lives, whether it's relationships or 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 revenue centers or jobs or you know all these things that our brain and and you know when I was working with athletes I had to be careful with video games my guys love playing those video games but your brain doesn't know the difference whether someone's standing in front of you with a real gun or you're getting shot at through a video game brain doesn't know the difference so I feel like uh, I need you to say that again because my teenager <laughs> is like no, that doesn't happen. And even my 10 year old, I'm trying to explain to him, this is overstimulating your brain. No, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, you know that, listen, we work our way through it. And, and yeah. uh, what what is it? You, you get smarter as you get older to your kids. So it's, you've got that to look forward to. I know, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so yeah. I'm sorry for interrupting you, but that's why I was laughing when you said the video games. <laughs> yeah, but, th but that's what HRV is. It's, it's, uh, it's heart rate variability. It's a measurement in the difference in time between heartbeats. Um, and we can extract a lot of information from those measurements. Um, you know, your whoop gives you a report, your aura ring gives you a report. There's other technologies, there's other underlying data that frankly, neither of those devices provide um, that, that I find to be more diagnostic than just that HRV. The HRV is kind of like um, the check engine light in your car. Um, or I, I, I equate it to the speedometer. You know, you don't really look at the speedometer in your car until you see law enforcement along the side of the road, or if there's a flashing blue lights in your rearview mirror, 
we start to pay close attention to it. It's too late then. <laughs> uh, it's probably too late then. So with uh, with HRV, it gives you a tool that 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 alerts you. Hey, something you know you're you're not in a good place. Something's going on here, or you may need to modify some lifestyle or do some things differently. And again, what we know is when HRV goes to zero, you're dead. Okay, that's that's all there is to it. At zero, you're dead. Um, or you're if your heart's still beating, you're really close to death. Um, but, um, and the greater variability, my elite athletes have greater variability than my athletes that don't achieve as much. Um, so those are the kind of the two ends of the spectrum. There's a lot that goes on in between, but it, it's that check engine light. It's the ability to go in and run additional diagnostics with some of the HRV tools that are out there. And, you know, I don't want to, this could, I mean, this could be a six hour podcast if we went down all the rabbit holes. Um, but um, in general, that's what you start to see. So do you have a range of the HRV numbers that you like to see, not just in your athletes, but in general population? And then I will tell you what my ranges generally are based mm -hmm. on the whoop. No, the answer to your question is no, because we, we are all different. We all have different backgrounds. Listen, um, we... Part of your HRV is part of your surveillance system, your, your stress surveillance system. Someone who's had to go through a lot of trauma um, has a, they're more surveillant, they're, they're more um, uh, 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 aware of, of threats. Um, so all of a sudden the paper lions get more relevance. Um, so it's that vigilance that comes with trauma that tends to make you become hypervigilant, which tends to lower your HRV. Um, and when you listen, uh, it looks it looks like trauma permanently adjusts those things. Um, you know, if you're born in a pit of, if you're born in a rattlesnake pit, the only way you survive is being hypervigilant. Um, and if I move you out of a rattlesnake pit and put you in a house full of bunnies, um, you're still going to be vigilant, even though the bunnies aren't a threat like rattlesnakes are. Um, you're still hypervigilant. And that's just that's just a survival instinct. So anyone who's had to deal with trauma uh, will have a different. So to go back and answer your question, we want to engage in behaviors that we get the rhythm coming. We want to we want to constantly be trying to keep it get it as high as we can. But there's some times when, you know, when you need to apply stress. Mm -hmm. Your body needs to react to it. And then when we create a recovery environment, then we'll get our HRV back up. Mm. I know so, so zero's, zero's bad. Yeah. Better's good. Constantly work towards better. Are you also watching heart rate as well as the heart rate? Absolutely. Resting, looking at, I, those are those are my two, I actually have three big variables I look like. I look at HRV, I look at resting heart rate, nighttime resting heart rate gives you a great indication of, you know, what's going on from, from a fitness and a health standpoint. The other thing I look at is what I call watts per heartbeat. So when I exercise, I'm generally exercising on a device that gives me a feedback and wattage, a work feedback number. Your Peloton will do this, your Concept 2s, there's a lot of things. So I constantly want to be in a situation where as my workload goes up, at first my heart rate will go with it, but as I recover, my heart rate will drop. So I want to be able to get my watts per heartbeat. I want that ratio as high as I can get it. You know, the Tour de France is going on in France right now. 
And when you look at those guys that are riding it, they can generate wattage at such a high level compared to a, a heart rate. It's just, it's untouchable by most of us. And that's why they're, that's why they're competing in the Tour de France. That's like um, the best. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're the best. And um, so but is, correct me if I'm wrong. A part of that is adaptation as well. They've been doing it for so long. Now their heart rate has adapted to this high output. Yeah, and there's a there's a big genetic component, there's huge training components, but it doesn't change the fact that you and I can constantly be increasing our watts per heartbeat. We can constantly be lowering our resting nighttime resting heart rate, and we can constantly be improving our nighttime resting HRV. The, the, that's just a human relationship. Now, do we get to Tour de France level or elite wrestler level? Probably not but we can always improve those numbers. And as those numbers improve, our health improves. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to step back a little bit to what you said about that trauma, that it could have happened years ago, like a switch, all really the way I like to describe it is this switch happened and it hasn't been turned off. So would you agree with me that even if this switch got turned on five years ago, 10 years ago? 40 years ago. And you feel now, oh, I'm not stressed. I'm okay. Just because you feel stressed doesn't mean the central nervous system isn't stressed. You may not, you may not feel stressed. You may not be stressed. Mm -hmm. But my point is, is part of the part of the, the result of the trauma and the development of hypervigilance is a natural lowering that you have part of your brain is called the amygdala. So there's a part of your brain that is your fear, is your threat. Uh, a, a detecting part of your brain. Mm -hmm. and, and what we know in animal studies, mice and dogs, is that if you fear condition a mouse or a dog, there's a drop of a chemical in the, in the amygdala that's called anandamide. And anandamide is what's called an endocannabinoid. When you exercise, your body produces anandamide. In fact, you know, it, you know, I taught university, I taught exercise physiology and exercise science at university for 30 years before I ever heard the word anandamide. I had to go into the cannabis business and kind of do a deep dive into the pot pool to understand what's called an endocannabinoid. Well, this should be chapter two of exercise 101, that anandamide is the major benefit of exercise. Well, what we know in, in trauma uh, conditioned individuals, there's a drop of anandamide in the amygdala. Well, not in individuals. We know in animal studies because you can't, you know, autopsy in humans tends to end the follow-up of study. Yeah. Um, but um, but what we know, and, and if you think about populations, you know, back in the, I am I am just, uh, I, 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 I remember the Vietnam era. I was very young, but I remember the Vietnam era. And when you have, when you, when you take, young kids and you out of the United States and you drop them into Vietnam into an absolute snake pit um, that listen, the way you survive is through vigilance. I mean, that's just, that's the way they got out. Well, those same people came back and had a love of cannabis. Mm -hmm. um, why? Well, cannabis produces those cannabinoids helps raise those levels in the body, which lowers the vigilance, helps them return more to a normal state, lowers that anxiety level. So to answer your question, again, to go back and look at that, you, you, you may not feel stressed. Um, 
doesn't mean that there's not stress around. You know, uh, we with with my wrestlers, we had an interesting study that the, the third year of this program, we had a lot more tools than we had early on, and we're and we're we're doing we're collecting a lot more data. And um, in in the wrestling season, uh, January to the end of February, beginning of March is the really competitive season. Um, prior to that, we call it weight cutting season. There's a lot of wrestling going on, but you're cutting weight, getting down. And then at you know, Christmas, we send all the guys home for holiday. And then when we get them back, either right before New Year's or right after, I've usually got a nice five or six day uh, space I can really push them. I, it's, it's the last time in the training season I can really push them. So the guys are coming back and we're thinking first day back, we're going to bury them. I mean, this, you know, we're going to really go after them. Well, I do my HRV study before practice. I got the worst HRV scores of the entire season, the day they returned home from holiday. And what we're, we're like, and I, we had to change practice. This was a complete, this was a complete discovery for us. Well, what we learn is family stress is the worst stress. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and um, we had to give the guys a chance to get back into you know, get back into their routine, sleep mm -hmm. in the bed that they've been sleeping in for the last five or six months, probably. Um, and once they once they got a good night's sleep in their own bed on campus, the next day HRVs were back and we could really go after them. But had we really pushed them that first day when they're already uh, stressed? well yeah and you know they came back ready to go these guys yeah. i mean they're warriors you know they they were ready to go but i was like no 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 we can't do this so we changed the practice a little bit we did more work with um we did more work with um drilling and, and light conditioning again gave them a good night a good night to recover and it made all the difference in the world because again, they didn't feel stressed. They were like glad to be back in their environment, but the yep. body was stressed. So then just to go on to that, you then gave them back their structure and the structure did them well. Got them back in their routine, got them back in their rhythm. Um, you know, you can't, you can't fix HRV unless you have good sleep. Um, and in a sleepless environment, HRV will continue to degrade. And, and again, you know, I had a good friend that said, Mother Nature, when she wants to take you out, she takes your sleep. Um, and so this is why sleep is such an important key to improving HRV. And it's also one of the it's, it can also be a, a biomarker that if you've got if you've got good sleep and you've if you've got good sleep, you probably got better HRV. If you've got bad sleep, it's probably dropping. So, you know, it's about establishing these rhythms and processes that the body recognizes. I think family stress is one of the biggest stresses we have mm -hmm. that we not we, but most people don't recognize. We went, I told you I'm Irish, we went back to Ireland in March. And before we got there, I was like to my husband, because we went from Paris to Amsterdam, I could feel the anxiety in Paris. And I was like, I think this is a bad idea. And <laughs> got there and he could see I was irritable. I was snapping at people and I could not wait to get home to Canada. And I say to my sister all the time, she's still there. I'm like, I don't have that. I don't have any family here. I don't have the stress. Now I have my kids, but that's different. But sure. it's crazy the psychological connection that goes through the central nervous system, and we don't even recognize it half the time. Well, what what do they say that uh, my mom knows? My why does my mom know exactly what buttons to push? Well, she installed them. Um, <laughs> 
you know, so, you know, that's an important part of it. Yeah, it is. So what you're saying, well, I wanted to touch on the cannabinoids before I get into my HRV, which I think you'll find interesting, hopefully. Mm -hmm. When people hear cannabinoids, they're immediately thinking cannabis. Mm -hmm. Can you kind of go just a little bit more into the connection there? Like, do you use cannabinoids? cannabinoids cannabis to support the hrv and I absolutely also, i'm interested in your opinion on thc as well in this aspect so to answer your question yes we use cannabinoids extensively but we do not use thc okay. um for, for, you know there's there, there there's lots of cannabinoids and the more we research and the more we understand it there's probably in the range of over a hundred different specific cannabinoids let alone the other terpenes the other plant molecules that come from cannabis, but THC is, is an anxiolytic. Um, it makes, again, the pure, pure THC is not an enjoyable experience, drives anxiety, drives a lot of those things. So um, I am a huge fan of uh, CBDA, not CBD, CBDA, the, the, the part that comes out of the plant originally, um, if it loses the acid, if it's decarboxylated, it becomes CBD. CBDA binds to a lot more receptors than CBD does. Um, so I'm a huge fan of working with just CBDA. Uh, there's another what's called dietary cannabinoid. It's a terpene that's called beta-caryophylline that we like a lot. Uh, very effective. Um, so I think those two molecules and that's and, and you know, we're talking because we've created a product called HRV plus by mode and method um, and improving endocannabinoid system status through the consumption of CBDA and beta caryophylline with and we talk more about uh, omega three omega three oils. Um, these are these are important molecules that 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 look like they support that process. You and and the challenge with cannabis is, you know, we, we legalize cannabis on the backs of uh, epileptics and cancer patients. Mm -hmm. um, it immediately becomes an adult use rec market. Um, mm -hmm. So and it's always the 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 value prop is how much THC is in the product I'm buying. And I think, I think people are missing the boat, even if you're using it recreationally. Um, that, that the, the, I, again, I'm not a THC fan. Um, it's, it works fine for some things and I'm not, and I'm, but I'm not a, you know, I'm not a critic. Uh, but if you're using cannabis as a tool to improve lifestyle, um, if you're investing more in the T in the CBD side, and THC, CBD together are nice little combinations. Uh, unfortunately, from a product development standpoint, there's, it makes interstate commerce imp imp you know, impossible, um, inter-country uh, imp impossible. But, but um, not a huge THC fan, huge CBDA fan, beta-caryophylline, some of the other terpenes, um, they can be very, very beneficial. So I have a client and her sleep is, when I say God awful, it's God awful. Like mm -hmm. it's terrible. And she has found THC to be beneficial, but she doesn't like how it makes her feel and the addictive properties. She had said that CBD didn't help her, but I'm wondering now if we could get her to try the CBDA or we'll get into your HRV+. plus. I have not tracked her HRV, but I'm pretty sure she does wear some sort of band or something that we could do it. But she just cannot switch off 
like no matter what I throw at her, I've thrown GABA, taurine, everything at her. Mm -hmm. And her doctor has put her on um, Zoloft, everything, nothing. Mm -hmm. Her body does not respond to anything. And I, again, I haven't tracked her HRV, and, but I know she's gone through a lot of trauma in the last few years, but now she feels fine. She's not stressed back to what we well, were Well, she's adapted to her trauma. Um, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're living in the rattlesnake pit and you're sitting in the middle and the rattlesnakes are all back in the, wo- in the walls, you're, you're not going to feel under stress, although it's an incredibly stressful environment because your awareness still has to be sky high. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would be interested when we when we launched the HRV plus product, when we developed it and launched it, the first feedback, in fact, we still get this feedback is how much sleep has improved. Now, ironically, we did a little open label study. Um, we saw a 10% improvement in HRV. We saw a 28% improvement in quality of life measures, but we did not see a change in wearable sleep-based data, mm-hmm. um, which surprised me a little bit. Um, but the testimonials from this, the, from the product are, my sleep is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and again, it's, it's you, and so whether it's the omega-3s, whether it's the, I, I think there's, there's two parts of that, you know, the number one thing that drives poor HRV in most individuals is inflammation. So as you lower, you know, the body sees inflammation as a threat yeah, um, and it's constantly working to resolve that. So as you pour omega-3s in and, and in HRV plus, we, we, we have a special omega-3 that has been processed into what's called a specialized pro-resolving mediator. This is the biologically available end of the omega-3 inflammation resolving process. Yeah. Um, so we have those in there too. So it's immediately available. Um, lowering inflammation, improving endocannabinoid system tone is, is a tool for recovery. And then on top of that, if you're making sure and you're doing things like you're, you're stressing yourself perhaps with exercise, it doesn't have to be CrossFit on the floor, laying in a puddle of sweat kind of stuff. <laughs> Just zone two, zone three work. The kind of work that what your nighttime resting heart rate will get lower. So the more time we put between heartbeats, the more opportunity we have for improved HRV. Yeah. Um, so as you put those things together, you can start to see those needles move on you. Yeah, this is fantastic. Thank you. So uh, my HRV to kind of give you some sort of reference, a lot of the time, and I, I've been wearing a whoop for almost three years now. So back to you, I can connect it to my relevance. And I also watch my biomarkers and different stuff. I will get as high as 141. Oh, that's great. And my heart rate on that same night, my resting heart rate will be 39. Are you uh, are you a alive? Runner? I'm, I'm, no, no. Are you a runner? Are you a triathlete? Um, well, I'm an athlete in the sense of what I do. I do a lot of bodybuilding. I do cardio, but mm-hmm. I've been doing it since 2006. So that's a long time. My body is very conditioned, but because of what I do, I know how to bring the heart rate down. I know what's going to spike me. So if I do a 36 hour fast a 40 hour fast i'm going to get into that zone there um and just to so, put this- so your hrv improves with fasting oh yeah oh my that's god that's good like so i'll have my worst sleeps 
if I eat late in the evening. So if I have a refeed day, and even if I don't have alcohol, that extra sugar, my HRV will plummet 60, 70, like my body will be hyper stressed. And I might feel like I've slept, but I'll look at my numbers. And I am aware of kind of the placebo effect. I sometimes I wonder, but um, if I do a longer fast, my heart rate variable will spike, my heart rate will come down, my body is primed to recover and rest. And to put this in context, I used to be 280 pounds. Mm. So I lost a lot of weight. I'm now at 140. And I've obviously been doing this a long time. I can see what helps. If I want to push my heart rate variable, you might find this interesting. I'll, so my bedtime is usually around 8.30. I'm asleep by 9. Around 7 p.m., I will have a Rishi tea. And an hour later, I'll follow that up with a Tulsi, which is another adaptogen, and a tablespoon or two of collagen for the glycine in that. And that will push me into deep sleep and push up my HRV. But Very if good. I eat late in the day, just to kind of go into more, if I eat late in the day, my depending on what I eat if I just have steak and green vegetables I'll still have a good HRV I'll be around 101 110 but if I have sugar late in the day and by mm. late in the day I mean 5 p.m and I'm going to bed at nine that sugar will influence my HRV thanks yeah even yeah. if it's just like a couple of squares of chocolate so I'm like very aware of this so I do watch it but um, I was mentioning to a client of mine, she has tachycardia and her HRV one day, I nearly had a heart attack. I was like, oh my God, I think you should go to the hospital. Her HRV dropped to 11. Okay. Um, I, I don't, I don't know that. I don't know that. Listen, you have an, you have an incredibly, and I, I would be, what was your HRV when you went back home? Oh, I'd have to go. It'll be in my whoop. I'll have to actually check that out. But again, because I was dealing with my family, I was drinking more alcohol. As well. well, you got alcohol and you got several plane flights and yeah. you know, you've, you're out of your bed and you're, you've got the, the issues with adjusting the time zones. Um, yeah, that's that's. Listen, go ahead and throw in a good fight while you're there and you've done everything you can to lower your HRV. Right. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, this it's it's very individual. And, and personally, you know, have you read Peter Atia's book, um, Outlive Yet? I've read half of it. I haven't finished it. <laughs> I love his concept of medicine 3.0. Mm -hmm. That that um, you know, I I I talk about both. There's a there's a psychologist at University of Penn, his name's Martin Seligman. And, and Martin is considered the uh, father of positive psychology. And when he was the when he was the president of the American Psychological Association, he asked the organization, he said, listen, everything that we do is about getting people from minus 10 to zero. Mm -hmm. Why aren't we doing something to get people from zero to 10? Mm -hmm. and, and, and I think when you combine that concept with uh, Peter's medicine 3.0, our, our, our healthcare system starts at zero, usually. I mean, we're usually symptomatic. And even if we're in the one or two range, you know, we've probably got some, some preliminary problems uh, developing that just haven't turned into symptoms yet. And what we know with HRV is, you know, listen, I had two different occasions when I was working with the wrestling team, when I said to the coach, you need to bring two guys at this weight class. 
because this guy's HRV tanked last night. He'll probably be, we wrestled the next day. I, th I thought he'd probably be able to get through the next day, but I knew he'd have flu symptoms by the time we got to the second match that weekend. Um, and so, so H and we've seen this HRV is a tool that, that can die, that was predicting COVID symptoms. You know, we're seeing HRV react before you were actually symptomatic with COVID. Um, so this is, this is what, that's that check engine light. What's that thing that comes on? It says, okay, let's pay attention to what's going on. Well, I think that's, that's the inner, that's, we're starting to look at medicine 3.0, you know, what are the exercise habits? What are my food habits? What are my sleeping habits? What are my light gathering habits? Uh, Cause I think light is an important part of this too. Um, what are my habits that lead to an improved HRV? Um, or what's going on that may be dropping it that I need to become aware of. And I think we live in an interesting time right now where, listen, you and I are, you know, while we're, we're several hundred, several thousand miles apart, you know, we're having a great conversation. We don't need to be in the same room. Technology is delivering a lot of things. We can use HRV and other wearable data. Again, I like those three. Those are my three technical pieces I look at HRV, resting heart rate and power at threshold, you know, watts per heartbeat. Um, this is a tool that people can start to engage with to take more control over, to stay at 10 mm -hmm. rather than rather than engaging with a healthcare system that, that frankly isn't great until you're a minus five. Um, you know, when we're looking at organ, you know, you know, problems like that, but, you know, trying to stay from that, you know, that zero to 10 HRV gives you a great tool to, and wearable technology gives you a great tool to work on that. But when you say that athlete, his numbers tanked, what number were you looking at? If you can remember. Well, what we saw was like, for instance, my Olympic gold medalist. So I had an Olympic gold medalist. I had another medalist. I had a world champion. I had several people on my team that were really, really good. Mm -hmm. you know, best in the world. Um, they were, they were routinely pulling down HRVs of greater than hundred milliseconds. That's an, it's what's called RMSSD. Um, that's, that's the, that's the number you get off most wearable devices. Um, that's a nighttime resting measure. Uh, and in, well, not, yeah, that was the nighttime resting measure that was, that was about 125 milliseconds. Um, what we found with my wrestlers that if I sent a guy to nationals that didn't have a, a resting um, HRV of at least 75 milliseconds, RMSSD of 75 milliseconds, they couldn't make All-American. If I sent them with 75 or above, they'd make All-American. If I sent them with 70 or below, they wouldn't make it. So that's kind of that's kind of the range. Now, th this is 18 to 22-year-old kids that, again, the thing I'm dealing with was how much... Uh, um, how much Call of Duty did they play the night before? I mean, that's the biggest stress they have in their life, with the exception of an exam that comes up, you know, periodically in their in their education. Um, but um, so, yeah, those are the kind of ranges we were dealing with. Because if I saw 70, 75 to me, I would think that is low. But for you looking at them, it's it's primed almost. Well, again, your range is is set. Listen, if I saw personally, if I saw a 75 mils, you know, I'm I turned 61 years old uh, two days ago. Congratulations. Um, well, thanks. Yeah, another trip around the sun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if if I saw a 70 millisecond HRV, I would be tickled to death. I mean, I don't I don't hit that very often. Um, and HRV tends to decline with age. Um, so you've got to constantly fight it. Um, but, um, you know, that kind of, it puts it all in perspective. Well, it really does because 
if I saw that, considering my tracking unit I've been using consistently for over two years, I would think my body's stressed if I'm around 70 because I am used to being in that optimal range most of the time. Well, yeah, and you go back and look, listen, with your training, if you go into a training block and you're just trying to bury yourself, you're kind of looking for that drop, you know? Mm so, so it, you know, you want to look at, okay, what's drive, what's driving the drop in this? And again, it could be social, it could be physical, it could be emotional. You know, there's lots of things that drive that stress response, but you want to develop an awareness. Again, when that check engine light comes on, is my engine too hot? Do I not have enough oil in it? What's going on? And ask the question again, because we drive our vehicles, you know, and we don't even think about this. Well, we drive our bodies and we tend to not think about it. So it gives you a nice little feedback tool that, to to raise your awareness. Well, and I'm just to kind of elaborate on that a bit as well. I'm also looking generally at my deep sleep and my REM sleep, but I'm also looking at uh did I dream last night? How do I feel this morning? Then I'll monitor my cravings if they start to kick in about 4 p.m. So I, I have all I have this big picture that I can look at. It's not just one thing. Well, and and you're and you're tuned into it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most people are not. You know, most yeah. people wake up during the day. You know, I I I'll tell you what, this almost haunts me. I think back to the beginning of COVID. And I remember watching the news and there was this bus driver from Detroit that they interviewed right at the very beginning of it. And this guy said, yeah, there's people coughing all over me on the bus and so forth. And three weeks later, this guy's dead. Um, And I was like, okay, if you think about this guy's life, I mean, he lives in Detroit, he wakes up in the morning, probably stops to grab food at fast food on, he drives a bus all day, goes home, sits back, gets pissed off because the Lions can't win, um, you know, wh- whatever goes into that, he's just trying to go through life. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not tuning in to things like you do or that I might do. Yeah. Um, just because of different places we are in our life. Um, so, you know, there's a gradient of individuals. You and I tend to be on one end of the spectrum. We tend to be a bit psychotic on this kind of stuff. We're exploring, we're looking for that. Our friends around us are like, have you lost your mind? Right. And we're like, no, just, you know, just this, this is my jam. And I think it probably is for you too. Um, so, you know, the challenge is, is not everybody's on that spectrum, but as, as people begin to enter, not, not to depend on medicine Mm 2.0, that's symptom-based medicine and starting to go into medicine 3.0, taking ownership for this N of one experience that we have, then these tools start to really create value. Mm. While it was on my mind and you were speaking there, blue light, blue light in the evening will affect my HRV and my deep sleep the whole lot. Just Blue light in the evening is like McDonald's for lunch. It is, it is not nutrient dense. Yeah. It's food, it's light, but it's not the light that nourishes you, mm-hmm. okay? And this is the important part. Maybe, I don't know, maybe McDonald's was the wrong analogy, but you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> yeah, whether, yeah. It's, whether it's fast food or things like that. You need nutrient-dense food. You need nutrient-dense light. Yeah. And you need, you need to put, you need to take uh, junk food out of your diet and take junk light 
out of your diet. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so those are, those are, you know, the, again, there's a continuum there that you have to pay attention to. That is a good um, analogy, junk light. I've never used that term before. So thank that, you. I, I love red light tools. I love from a, from a facilitation standpoint, I love the near infrared and the infrared lights. Um, I, I listen, I feel healthiest when my skin is brown. Mm -hmm. um, the, more, yeah. the, more, the more melanin I have in my skin, the better I feel. Yeah. Um, so, so that tells me my systems are working. Mm -hmm. Um, now I don't, I try my best not to burn, um, and, and have been able to do that for, for several years now, even I lived in the state of Florida for a year and I, and I hardly use sunscreen because once you get your melanin levels up and once you pay attention to healthy light and you don't burn the skin off your body, well, then that's a good place to be. I mean, we evolved we evolved to have light on our skin um, and there's benefits that come from it. I think it's important to have. Have you followed Dr. Jack Cruz's work on the photosynthesis and the cell and getting the light into the mitochondria, which is where you're getting your nice, healthy glow, right. but also the majority of our melatonin is made in the mitochondria. So if I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, if you're upregulating, like 90, 95% of melatonin being made in the mitochondria, and if you're getting this, why it's so important to get sunlight first thing in the morning, and then you're stimulating these mechanisms, and then you're optimizing your sleep, and then your HRV, mm -hmm. and you're supporting health, but not everyone gets it, like you said. In, in some cases, people think I'm very anal, and I'm no fun, but this is fun to me. <laughs> No, and 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 listen, you know, we, we're we're dealing. Listen, two years ago, my mother, um, who at the time was eighty-five years old, um, moved to, into our home to do hospice, and I had to help my mother pass to the next level. Mm -hmm. um, so we spent about five months helping her in hospice. But I distinctly remember four or five years before that, I'd flown out to Phoenix, Arizona to see her. And my mother was the strongest, was the strongest person I ever met in my life. I mean, she was a beast. Mm -hmm. And and I watched my mom walking out there and I said, Mom, I said, you've got to start lifting. I said, You're 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 hunched over, you're starting to look like an old person. Yeah. Um, and and you don't have to do that. Okay. You, and, and in fact, when you look at these things, um, there are, there are benefits that come with movement that come with good food that come with good sleep that come with quality light. Um, and now we're dealing with this with my father-in-law, um, uh, very ill trapped in the medicine 2.0 market space, just trapped in it. Um, and, and unless you build this understanding, unless you build this reckon, rec, this recognition of medicine 3.0, of quality of life, of wanting to live a life, particularly end of life, not hooked to, to tubes and in a hospital bed, um, these are the kind of indicators we begin to use. And, and again, the practices are the same. Whether I'm training an Olympic wrestler or whether I'm training that person's grandparents, um, you still have to lift weights and do zone two, zone three work. You have to, you die when your mitochondria stops working. You die when you run out of energy. So you want to do all you can to feed the mitochondria. Hence, exercise, food, light. 
sleep creates the environment for us to recover within. Um, so yeah, these, and again, it's all on perspective. You know, personally, um, I dread, I listen, I want to fall off the edge of the Grand Canyon when I'm 90 because I'm doing this wicked hike that everybody thinks I can't, and maybe I can't, but I want to enjoy the ride to the bottom mm -hmm. um, and, and move on to the next level at that point. But until then, I want to be active. I, I want to be that crazy guy in the wrestling room when I'm 80, still teaching. I want to coach my grandkids. Um, I want to do those kinds of things. And I, and I need to maintain the physical capacity to do that. And a lot of people don't understand that exercise creates mitochondria, creates energy, but they're too tired to exercise. They have no energy to exercise. Huge. This is, you have to, yep, listen, we've, you know, the exercise industry has not done a good job um, of this over the years. Again, I think, I think endocannabinoids, understanding endocannabinoids is the benefit of exercise. It's the, called the Zen molecule for a reason. Um, so, and, and again, exercise, we tend to look at those around us or we're looking at Instagram or we're looking at these things and you, know, you don't have to end up in a pile of sweat in the middle of the floor for your workout to be beneficial. Get out and go for a good long walk. Huge value, huge value. Lift weights. You know, I have a, I have a really good friend from college. I, this guy's trapped in the medicine 2.0 system. He has um, lost the leg. He's my age. He's already lost the leg to diabetes. He's on dialysis. And I said, Johnny, I said, when's the last time you worked out? Oh, I've not been working. I said, I said, there's not a medicine made that's more valuable than putting your ass on a bike for 40 minutes. You you cannot make a medicine that does that, that that's better. There's not go into the gym. I've got a membership at whatever. And I'm like, great. He says, well, how many sets? I go do one set. Yeah. Go in, different. get on six machines, do one set and get out, call it a win and come back the next day. Mm -hmm. um, it will direct you. And again, you know, those are those, I call it rocks in my jar. You've got to have the four rocks in the jar are, are you've got to, we're a movement, we're, we're movement animals. You hack movement with exercise. Uh, we need nutrient dense food. You hack nutrient dense food with supplements. If you can't, you know, your your first choice is always nutrient dense food. Um, you can't hack sleep, but you can hack the sleep environment. And then light is so important. And you can hack light. Some of these red light technologies that are developing now, and being able to blue light filter. Mm -hmm. But just recognizing the value of this. Now these all go in the jar of what I call purpose. You've got to have something that motivates you. You've got to have that thing on the horizon that you're looking forward to. The event that you're training for, the grandkids wedding, the vacation that you come up. When I had my fitness facility, we called them trainable life events. Mm -hmm. you, no one takes a picture of their scale and puts it on Instagram. <laughs> um, uh, but they do put a picture of the number that they wore in the 5K run. Mm -hmm. um, they, we put keep putting those things on the wall. Keep showing me pictures of what you did physically going out. You know, I just, I, on my Instagram, uh, my wife and I got a chance to go down to Crater Lake National Park. We're having a lot of fun. I, I, I don't know if you knew this or not, but my wife and I live in an RV and we travel all over the country no, I didn't. Uh, full time. And um, so we, you know, we're, we're seeing these beautiful places and I'm getting out and walking on beaches and doing great things. I, I don't want that to stop. Yeah. I love that. So, you know, when you look at Instagram, you're going to see me um, at Crater Lake. You're going to see me clearing 50 inches of snow off the top of our rig when we're in Yosemite. 
Um, you're going to see stuff like that, but you've got to stay physically fit in order to engage. Um, and that's my you're living, you're living and you're getting the most out of life. And not everyone looks at life like that. Some people are happy to just get through the day. They don't want to live. And God love them. Again, that's the bus driver from Detroit. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but whether you're the bus drivers from Detroit or you're an Olympic athlete, those four elements, movement, uh, quality food, good sleep and light, but you got to have purpose to drive that. You've got to have, you've got to have something that you set your eyes on, on the horizon that you're working towards. There has to be incentive, a strong incentive. Purpose. Yeah. So would you agree before we just move on and start to wrap up, would you agree with me that exercise is a very important aspect of sleep? Sure. I mean, in the absence of exercise, you're not going to have the development of anandamide. You're not going to have the development of that endocannabinoid. And it's not going to be able, it's not going to be as effective. Your sleep's not going to be as good. Um, you know, sleep is going to be inversely proportional to work. Um, the more you work, the, the more anandamide you create, the better your sleep, the better your endocannabinoid system's functioning. And frankly, I think HRV is a good proxy measure for endocannabinoid system status mm -hmm. as you improve endocannabinoid system. And this is going, listen, again, I taught university for 30 years. I never heard that word until I moved into the cannabis world. Mm -hmm. um, and then I, I'm looking at this and I'm looking at the research that is just phenomenal. There's phenomenal research in this place. And I'm like, holy mackerel, this is why you should be exercising, not to lose weight. That's a failed goal. Um, but I mean, oh, yeah. I, listen, you were successful. Most people aren't. Um, and, and you're the outlier on this. You're the, you're the first. I did everything days. else as well. It wasn't, yeah. sex. it was like, it's a lifestyle as cliche as it is. And it's driven, it's driven by purpose. Yeah. You, there was something you wanted that you, there's a place you wanted to be physically, emotionally, spiritually. And, um, when you're doing those things, everything cleans up. So in your opinion, everybody should be concerned about HRV. I, I think HRV is a very interesting 30,000 foot indicator that's now available to us all uh, through wearable technology. You know, everyone wears a watch on their wrist. Um, they're, not all of the devices that you wear on your wrist are great. Um, uh, you know, I, the, the Apple Watch is interesting. Their software is not quite there yet. Um, but whether you're wearing an Aura ring, it's, listen, Aura did a deal with Gucci. Okay. Wearable technology until that point was kind of a geek fest. Okay. Yeah. I used to, I would sit on airplanes and I'd look at people's wristwatches. And if they, I knew if they had a polar or a Garmin, you know, they were in my tribe. Mm -hmm. um, now everyone's got, now there, you know, there's this new, there's a company that's coming out of the Netherlands that I'm really impressed with. It's called now watch. They've taken a full on uh, fashion look at, at their wearable device. It's, it's now becoming fashionable. Again, you can get a Gucci Aura ring, or you can get a Now Watch. You can get something that's very attractive, very fashion forward. And I think we've kind of crossed the crossed the um, the the whatever the word I'm looking for is. We've we've crossed the chasm to a certain degree on okay, this is a technology that we all have access to. You know, we can you know, you know you can pick it up for less than the cost of a pair of shoes. Um, and um, it's certainly less than that cell phone. And if it's talking to that cell phone, it makes it more valuable. How is this nail watch comparing to the likes of the Aura or the Whoop? 
Um, I'm very excited about what they're doing. I love their hardware. I'm waiting to see the next evolution of their software. If their software goes where I believe it's going, and, and I have, I've had, the, then all of a sudden you get the downstream diagnostics too. So I'm really excited about this particular piece of technology. So just one last question. Then I want to know about your HRV plus, if you don't mind. Sure. If you did have someone that you were seeing their trend, like I mentioned with that client, 11, 20, 27, and that's just their consistent trend. Would you be concerned at that stage? Would you be directing them to their doctor? Um, I would direct to the doctor. Most doctors don't really understand HRV. It's okay. not something, you know, now you'll see it in emergency rooms. You'll see it in cardiologists. They get it. Um, I would direct a doctor when it's symptomatic, when, you know, in medicine 2.0, mm -hmm. it's about symptomology, right? Um, and, and organ based. But um, if I, if, if there's something going on that I don't think can be fixed with lifestyle, then I bring in a functional medicine doctor, someone who's not necessarily tied to insurance, mm -hmm. that's able to look in a little bigger uh, vision of what they're doing. So to so low HRV, no. I, I mean, listen, I had a situation, my HRV dropped to 11 milliseconds a couple of nights ago. Well, when you look at my 48 hours before that, there's no, you see exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and, and again, my, my, I, my best measures are the high 30s to low 50s. That's where I'm best. Um, constantly trying to get it up. But um, but so in the absence of symptomology, no. But if I have someone like that, I'm going to get advice and I'm going to get support on building a lifestyle to help move that up. So these numbers are indicative of some sort of stress response, whether it's a pain response, inflammatory response. And then um, you're... Yeah, and then you're moving them towards the lifestyle, but also at that stage, we're going towards the cannabinoids and the HRV plus. Yeah, well, so so what we know is, and and I do a talk where the first the first slide is an orca, a killer whale. One is in the, in captivity, and one is in the wild. Orcas in the wild, their dorsal fins are straight. Or mm -hmm. orcas in captivity, they tend to bend over. So there's not enough environmental force in the aquarium that the orca lives in for it to express its DNA of a straight dorsal fin. Well, I like to think about that as humans. You know, I'm sitting in a room with windows right now. My third slide shows a big glass building with someone's hands on the glass. And I'm like, what side of the aquarium do you live in? Mm -hmm. we, we live in environments that don't force us to adapt. Um, and again, sympathetic, parasympathetic is an adaption process. You need sympathetic, you need parasympathetic. You want that cycle, just like your sleep cycle. Um, so in the, in, a, in the absence of an environment that forces adaption, you've got to create adaption. Um, uh, you know, so we go back and look at, okay, what's it take to adapt and what's it take to recover? Um, not having the dietary cannabinoids not having dietary omega-3s to improve inflammatory response. And those are, those are some things that have been missing from our typical diet. And that's what we put into our HRV+. We put in a targeted cannabinoid blend to support the endocannabinoid system. We, we put those, most cannabis products come in coconut oil, mm -hmm. um, which is just kind of a neutral oil. We put ours in fish oil with, with high DHA, EPA, but we also have these specialized pro-resolving mediators, SPMs. We found a lab in Spain 
that can produce these enzymatically from the DHA EPA. And that's what's in the product. So lower inflammation, improve endocannabinoid system tone, get better sleep, drive the process. So this HRV is a supplement. It's an oral supplement. Yep. It uh, comes in. A, if you go to modemethod.com, www.modemethod.com, uh, you'll see it there. They, the little gel caps of, uh, of the mixture. And we're shipping to Canada? I don't know the answer to that question. I bet um, you we could. I mean, cannabis and all is legal here as well. And Yeah, I, the question is, can you get across the border? That's the I challenge. I think so. I think there is another cannabis company in Colorado that does ship across. And I mean, you can get DHEA over. You can't buy it here in Canada, but you can ship it over. So uh, You can't buy DHA EPA in Canada? No. Wow. You need but prescription. You, but I can eat a fish. You have, you have a lot more salmon available. <laughs> well, um, so I'm sure we could. So we'll have to look into that and see for sure. And yeah, this, absolutely. I just want to go back to the sleep thing. You, for that specific client, this may be that kind of golden ticket to help with the sleep. Uh, I... I I love, I love the, I love hearing the analogy of golden ticket, but the pragmatist in me says, be careful. Yeah. Um, there, there is no silver bullet. Yeah. Um, there is, there's you, movement, you hack with exercise, there's nutrient dense food, you hack with supplements, there's sleep that you hack the environment and there's light that you can hack with different light lengths and all, all with in the jar of purpose. Yes, if you need to hack the nutrient part using a supplement like HRV Plus, that can be beneficial. But if you have a sedentary lifestyle, if you eat shit food, if you don't get good sleep, and and if you're you know not ever in the sun, it, a, a taking a pill won't fix that. Exactly what I said to a client this morning. She wanted a recommendation on molecular hydrogen. I was like, look, I can give you the recommendation, but if you take all these supplements, but you're not sleeping and your diet's shit, they're not going to help. It's not going to move the needle very much. It's it's just not like almost not at all. It all has to be like we said that lifestyle. And and I'm not saying don't eat don't don't eat shit food. I'm I'm just saying make sure that you get quality food in so you have the nutrients. And if you want to throw some junk food in on top of that, God love you. Yeah. Um. But when you make that the heart of your diet, that's when you're that's when you that's when you have a challenge. Well, it it is your diet, and then you might have a side salad. There you go. Yeah. So you mentioned your website. Uh, you did kind of touch on Instagram. What's your Instagram name? Uh, I'm Don Moxley on Instagram mm -hmm. or mode.method on Instagram. So okay. they're both there. Um, Longevity Labs. Uh, so all the social, if you want to find me on social, I'm on all the socials at Don Moxley. Um, and I accept most uh, invitations or LinkedIn is where I communicate most from a business standpoint. Um, Twitter. Who knows where Twitter's going right now? Yeah. <laughs> um, Twitter, Twitter used to be where I pushed all of my research and things like that. When I, you know, people who followed me on Twitter saw stuff that I found interesting, but who knows where it's going right now? I've just joined threads. I'm not sure if it's going to come along or not, mm -hmm. but, um, but yeah, so if you, if you ping me on LinkedIn, uh, I'll usually engage in conversation unless it's like, Hey, you have an interesting profile. I'd like to meet you and share 
something stupid um i'll i'll usually block you then <laughs> would you like to hike the grand canyon with me <laughs> uh, well I, I don't mind that it's like you have an interesting profile and you can usually tell that english is the second language so i don't know if it's asian or russian or what but it's um it's usually someone fishing for something not good yeah so um I will this will go on YouTube as well as all the platforms and I'll ping you on Facebook and Instagram uh, and then I'm pretty sure someone will order this and I will let you know if we get it over the border yeah let's um we can work on that in fact you know I'll check on that as, and I'll send you a note um I'll check with my team to find out I'm the science guy, so I don't pay that. I, mm -hmm. I let I let the rest of my team do e-commerce yeah. um, and marketing, but um, I'll check with them because I really don't know the status about shipping to Canada. I honestly think it will be possible, but I'll have to let you know if someone does it and we get it and I say, yeah, we got this. I'm not as optimistic, but let's explore. Well, I am because I've seen what else we've been able to get okay. over. So, okay. <laughs> well, this has been fantastic. I had high hopes for this and you actually excelled. So thank you. Oh, thank you. That's very kind of you. <laughs> uh, it's not always you get someone on that actually knows what they're talking about. So oh, man. <laughs> so thank you. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll connect again in the future and see if someone has tried this, see how the HRVs are going and what you're up to. I'll tell you what we do ship to, and, and at some point in time, maybe we have a conversation about autophagy and spermidine because we're part of Longevity Labs. Longevity Labs is the company, but we also were the original importers of spermidine life into the U.S. Um, so, again, another great molecule that's necessary for longevity. So, you know, maybe we do a conversation about yeah. that too. Totally. Well, thank you for your time. Enjoy RV life. And yeah, we'll touch base soon. Just enjoy life. We happen to be living in the rig right now. Well, live life. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> thank you. Don. Have a great day.